Wow, that was a uh, that was an awesome song. Uh, Steph and, and Mackenzie really enjoyed that a lot. Well, today, um, well, happy birthday, Steve. You know, I think it got let out in Kenzie's little video there, and I know Steve's not been feeling great himself. And so uh, I get to share today about our father, and uh, looking forward to it. We can have a good time together, and uh, and uh, also really looking forward to uh, Euro and Monique sharing in a minute. Euro, by the way, is one of my favorite preachers here, so really looking forward to hearing that. Um, yeah, so uh, what I want to do today, I'm actually going to share a little something for you to look at here in a minute, and so I'm going to share that on the screen. Give me a sec. All this technology here driving me crazy. A minute of white screen. So, you know, when, when Jesus uh, talks to the disciples about how to pray, he, he leads off with, with our Father. And uh, even that prayer, uh, when he's talking about our Father, you know, some people call that prayer the Our Father prayer. And, you know, when you talk about Father, uh, I usually think of, you know, like probably most of you, I think about my own dad, um, my own father. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that you had some playground decisions, <clears throat> uh, discussions rather about your father. You know, my father... You know, surprise is, was bigger than your father. Uh, he was stronger than your father. Uh, he was smarter than your dad, you know. And uh, I, actually, I only would call him our father when I was hanging out with my brothers and my sister because he's usually my father. But with them, with my, my siblings, uh, he became our father. And I, I never, his name was, is Roderick. Uh, people, grownups called him Rod. Um, I always called him daddy. In person, as did all of my siblings, even to this day, my my 80-year-old brother still calls our father daddy. And, you know, when we went out in public, we we put on a face and we called him dad just to not get bullied by our friends. At least that's what I did. But, you know, Jesus did the same thing with with God. He called him Abba Father. You know, Paul even reminded us that uh, we get to have that same relationship with him, that we get to call him Abba Daddy, uh, and that the spirit, the spirit that God put inside of us also calls out and calls him daddy. You know, my daddy loved to help uh, people in need. You know, we often had strangers at the dinner table. You know, even going into his 90s, uh, he was still making friends and uh, reaching out to people. You know, he was quick to listen, although extremely hard of hearing, very hard of hearing. Uh, he was slow to speak and, and usually slow to get angry. You know, he got angry and he wasn't perfect for sure. You know, it's it's easier to count his flaws than his features, but, you know, he's my daddy. And I was talking with a couple of sisters last night uh, about um, about uh, just relationships with fathers and uh, the challenges that we have in it. And I can totally relate with that. You know, there's very few stories in the Bible about great parenting. There's many, many cautionary tales. You know, all of uh, Romans, Paul said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so God is the one and only perfect daddy, the good one. I think the rest of us fathers are there just to, to help our kids remember that God is perfect and we're not. Um, but my father taught me a lot of things that I still use today. You know, but I think probably most importantly, he gave me opportunities to learn, to discover, and I've been reading this past week in, in Matthew 13, sort of studying out some of the parables with Jesus. And it's interesting because, you know, the rabbis in that time, they, 
that was how Jesus learned, and that's how he taught. And one of the things that they did is they uh, they just didn't explain everything. You know, they you know they I'm really used to being an engineer. Just tell me the rules, and I'll go do those rules. And then you know the airplane will be perfect, my life will be perfect, my relationship with God will be perfect, and I'll just have wisdom. But you know that's not really the way that God did it. That's not the way that that uh, Jesus did it. You know. He gave us his story, gave us his scriptures. And then when they taught, they would tell you an example, especially in a parable, and uh, would let you ask questions or would help you give ways to, so you could learn, so you could understand. Um, let's look over. If you got a Bible, go ahead and grab Matthew chapter 9 and verse 10. 10 through 13, and I'll read it here. It says, um, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, Jesus tells them to go and, and learn what it means, you know, based, you know, go and learn what it means. He tells the teachers of the law, you know, the people that are supposed to be educated, those people that are supposed to know God, that are supposed to be teaching about God. He says, you know, go and learn this. Go and figure this out. Go and go and decipher this for yourselves. And he comes back and catches up with them here in a, in a couple of chapters in chapter 12. If you look in chapter 12 and verse 1, you know, it says at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this, what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So if you'd known, if you learned, you know, if you figured this out, if you discovered it, you wouldn't have made this key mistake and not understanding what, what, who Jesus is and what he was doing. So see, Jesus was about teaching his disciples to continue to discover, to learn, to grow. You know, he wanted them to, uh, prioritize mercy over sacrifice. You know, we certainly, you know, go use your Google Bible and look up mercy and sacrifice and you'll see really the pattern, you know, very, very often quoted verse recently from Micah about walking humbly before the Lord really continues in that theme. You know, have you considered what God's trying to teach you today through the life of Jesus? Have you thought about that? You know, I really appreciate what Steve's been doing uh, with uh, his teaching and preaching and the Jesus leadership material over the last several months. Uh, it's been very encouraging, you know, about learning about Jesus and his, his coaching style, how Jesus was really is really wanting to help us. You know, he taught in parables. Jesus did. You know, in Matthew 13, he, he teaches them and they come to him and say, why are you teaching in parables? 
Why? Why Jesus? We don't get it. And you know what Jesus said? So people won't understand. That's crazy, isn't it? Why is God, why is Jesus, you know, telling us those things? We know, you know, John 12 says that everything that Jesus said was exactly what God wanted to say. You know, why sometimes is it that God is making it harder for us to understand stuff? Why is he making us dig? Why is he making us work? Well, you know, you fathers out there with kids, you know that it's, it's, you can tell your child a hundred times to do something, but until they figure out, they discover that they really need to do that, it's only then that it becomes important. You know, someone said, you cannot tell the man, a man the truth. You can only put a, him in a position to discover the truth for himself. Unless we discover it for ourselves, it remains secondhand and external. You know, I want to, I want to work on something. I want us to dig into something just as a thing for us to, to think about in this way that God, our Father, really helps us, uh, leads us in a way that we can discover the truth. So we'll look over, we'll spend, uh, the rest of my, my time here in, in Matthew 13. Now, I love Matthew 13. It's, I believe it, it's seven parables all together in one big block. And I think as you dig in, we'll see when we first start, you know, he says that he taught many things with parables. And uh, at the end, he says, you know, I, I, uh, I, um, I'm now done with parables. He finished teaching in parables. So I, I propose to you that all these parables, they probably all go together. Uh, but that's, you know, take that and, and uh, look into it when you have an, a, some more time in it. But I'm going to read here in Matthew 13 and verse 1 through 9. And I'll, I will uh, help you. Uh, if you're a visual learner, I'll put you up my my cheat sheet here of what I got from this as I was reading it and studying it out. The first pass through here. So let's read it. It says here in Matthew 13 and verse 1, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, like a Zoom meeting, right? He's out in the boat. They're all standing on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on, on the good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. That's interesting. So he says that, and then they go have to go figure it out. And, you know, we're not going to read the next few passages, but uh, the uh, the disciples go, what's that mean? Why are you teaching in, in, uh, in parables? I mean, can you imagine if you were just given this to try and figure it out? without any further explanation today. I mean, look at my notes. This is really what you got. You know, the birds came and they ate it up, the, uh, the uh, seed on the path, the seed on the rocky places, you know, it gets scorched and withered, no root. You know, thorns, the thorns grow up and choke the plant. The good soil, you know, produced a crop 160, 30 times. You know, if you were a, a Jewish reader of the scripture back then, you might have picked on the fact that there's really only one place in all the Old Testament where something gets multiplied a hundredfold. And that's in Genesis 26 about Isaiah, uh, excuse me, about Isaac. 
But uh, really, that is not a big help here. It's, you know, we're sort of sitting there looking and figuring out, well, what do we do with this? You know, and that's exactly what the, the disciples did. How do we, how do we understand this? Um, you know, that's, there was a, a teaching at the time, a way that rabbis taught to their students, just about, um, there's a parallel that was in the, in, the, in the rabbinic teaching about, you know, students. And students can have four possible paths. You know, that particular one was they could be a sponge. They could be a funnel, they could be a strainer, they could be a sieve. So maybe that's it. Maybe he's trying to teach them about how they are to learn from him, how they are to understand what he's teaching. You know, they're perplexed. And so they, they come and they ask him and, and he, he gives them some help. He gives them a little hint here. And, and starting in verse 18, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When people hear the message about the kingdom and do not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to people who hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to people who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on a good soil, on good soil refers to people who hear the word and understand it. They produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So I'll give you my cheat sheet here. So I just took what I'd taken before and I added in what Jesus added in as he uh, gave some hints and some help uh, to the disciples. And I don't know about you, but the way I've, I've learned or been taught to process this parable <coughs> is sort of goes this way. Okay, you know, God's putting his word out there and there's different ways to receive it, different ways to understand it. You know, if the word comes out and it just sort of bounces off of you, you don't understand it, uh, then you you just don't follow him. You know, that's the path. Or maybe the rocky soil way is when the the, uh, the word comes out and you hear it and you, you put it into practice, but it just doesn't last and you quickly fall away. And then the fourth way, of course, is, well, there's the thorns, and so when you hear the word, but, you know, the challenges of this life, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, they get you distracted. And so it's just not fruitful in your life. And then lastly, the good soil is the good soil. And so I would process it this way. Well, look, I today have been a disciple for a long time. <clears throat> I don't know, 30, 30 some odd more years. And so I'm probably not the, the, the path. OK, fair enough. You know, gray hair, long time, probably not the path. Um, you know, probably not the rocky soil because, you know, it wasn't a short time either. And so that only leaves me two choices. That leaves me thorns and good soil. And I go, oh, you know, you know, I'm not awesome. This is not awesome. So I, I have trouble, you know, in my sort of checking, thinking way. I, mean, I can't be the good soil. I must be the thorns. And so the way I tend to process, that's what I get. And then I go, well, how do I fix it? What do I do? How do I undo being a thorn? And I'm going to give you a, just a different way of thinking about this because, you know, here's a different way to think about it. What if instead Jesus was trying to say, here's different ways of being a learner of me. And so maybe there's four different ways. And I'm not saying the other that we just went through is not also true. But, you know, when you, you get on the path, and so maybe just as a learner of Jesus, there's sometimes some things that I study, some things that I, I'm trying to put into practice. You know, I hear the word of God, I want to put it into practice. And sometimes I just don't put it into practice. I just don't do it, you know, and it just 
gets plucked away, boom, gone. Sometimes some things I'm hearing that I'm learning that I'm trying to do, that's the result. You know, other times I hear things and, oh, this is awesome. Great message, great sermon, great Bible study, you know, great conference, great quiet time. That's awesome. And I love it. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm done. I'm changing. There's going to be fruit in my life. And it doesn't last. My, my roots, I don't get the root right. I don't dig in and really figure it out. And so what ends up is it just, it doesn't last and it's gone. And in those cases, in those times, in that part of my being a student, I, I'm just on the rocky soil. You know, other times, you know, the thorns, you know, I, I hear the, I, I hear something, I go, oh, that's awesome. I, I need to change. I need to repent. I need to grow in that. I need to do that. I need to put it into practice. I've had great coaching. I've had great encouragement. I've had great discipling. <clears throat> this is really going to work. And then I go try and do it in the real world. I said, that's not going to work. I can't share my faith at work. I can't love people the way Jesus did. Uh, you know, I can't do that and keep my day job. And in those scenarios, in those situations, in those times, you know, the thorns, they choke that out. And then lastly, Jesus doesn't really add much uh, to this passage, uh, to this part in the end. He just says, here's what's different about the good soil. It's someone who hears the word and understands it. It's someone who hears the word and puts it into practice. That's really different. And that's what the good soil is. And of course, in every area of my life, that's exactly the kind of disciple of Jesus, the kind of, that's the way I want Jesus to coach me. I just wanted to hear it and I want to understand it and I want to not get deceived by this world about it and I want to put it into practice and I want to grow in it and just see him really work powerfully. But that's not always the case. That's not always how it happens. And so I think the reason Jesus, one of the reasons Jesus could teach this parable is he really wanted to see that we have a loving father. We have an Abba father. Abba doesn't say, oh, you know, all those things, you're not the good soul. You didn't quite get that the first time around, so you're done. You're finished. No, he really wants to continue to grow us. I I believe in, in the right way he's trying to continue to to help us to hear the word and understand. You know, maybe if I was a better gardener, I would come up with some analogies, trying to take those initial seeds and transplant them into the good soil. You know, he's really trying to change us. He's trying to help us to be different. You know, that really is the uh, the message that I've been getting from reading the parables. Uh, it's the message that I've been getting, getting from hearing Steve preach about just hearing the word, letting the word sink in, letting Jesus' example about how he lived out the word, about how he understood it, about how he put it into practice, really, I think that's the message from God. You know, God said it pretty simply. Through Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. You know, I'm grateful to be able to call him Abba, to call him our father. And that's my encouragement for you today is to go and discover and figure out how to not just hear the word, but to understand and put it into practice. Thanks. Hey guys, so I think I'm up, right? Am I, am I, am I good to go? All right. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so a couple of things. 
right? I'm sorry to all the other dads who aren't as cute as me. There's not much I can do about that. Um, but uh, it was a great video. And uh, thank you so much for putting that together for us dads. Um, also, Peter, uh, calling me a preacher is a very high compliment. And uh, <laughs> if you uh, talk to my wife, it definitely is going to add to the stress that I'm feeling about this morning already. <laughs> but unfortunately, Mo is not going to share. She's kind of wrangling with the girls right now. And so it's just going to be me for communion, which is the other sad bit of news. So if you guys want to hear her speak again, you're going to have to invite her back to speak. But um, we'll jump into our communion message here and uh, and just trying to point us to the cross. Uh, so if you want, you can go ahead and open up to John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 43 here. So as I was preparing for communion today and, and trying to figure out exactly what I was going to do, it was definitely the most challenging it's been for me to ever put together a communion. It just... Uh, I think what uh, what as people say, I do a great job at sharing and things like that. And it's usually just because I just do what the Lord has put on my heart to do. There's nothing special to it. I don't really think I'm great or anything at it, but uh, I tend to just try to do whatever the, the the Spirit says. And so right now it's just been challenging because of everything going on. On one hand, we have Father's Day, which is great and amazing and uh, just is just a great day to just celebrate dads, which and then on the other hand, we have the world in kind of like a coming to moment and just being awakened to a lot of things and a lot of protests and a lot of uproar and upheaval, which has greatly affected my life from the time I was born till now. And so normally it would be easy uh one of those things will be going on at a time and so the lord speaks to me and i can kind of just choose one but today is just tough because i feel pulled by both directions uh and one direction you know and, and on one hand i don't want to bum everyone out about father's day like father's day is a great day and a joyous day and so it's been hard trying to find a balance and so this is me trying to strike a balance between acknowledging what we're going on through today and just the joy and the great pleasure it is to be a dad. Uh, so in verse 43 of John chapter one, it says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. But we'll stop right there for a second. I feel like this part of what I wanted to share speaks to where we're at as a society today, where we are coming to realize that we, t we do this all the time. We find, let's say, area codes, and we go, nothing good can come from there. For whatever reason, that people from that area are to be feared in a sense and to be worried about, to be concerned. Uh, and it's been on my heart because 
from some sense, that's, that's the area I came from, especially growing up. There was a lot, oh, nothing good can come from Roxbury, Massachusetts. Uh, that's just a drive-through area. You don't want to stop there. You don't want to spend any time. You just make your way through it. And uh, that is not the way, as, as Christians, we should see this. Uh, one, that's where Jesus came from, right? He was the drive-through area. Uh, and, but that's also where he went. Um, and I think that is what I've also realized is that I too can go, oh, that's an area that I just want to keep going through. Uh, and as my heart has been just drawn to trying to figure out more how to serve the poor, how to get back into the communities that are less affected, that have been hurt by just decisions that have systematically put them where they are. And it makes it that much tougher for them to move past that. Uh, and so as a church, I want us to kind of reflect on how Jesus, he died going back to those who were sick. He died uh, trying to save us while we were still far off from him. And that, uh, that uh, there's no place that nothing good can come from because that's where Jesus calls us to go to. Uh, but we'll keep reading here, uh, picking up in verse 47. It says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Right? Uh, and this part speaks to Father's Day. This part is about how, I, you know, at one point in time we were all Nathaniel. We were all uh, waiting to be called by God. And God has been calling us throughout all time, just trying to get us to find him and to see him. But sometimes it just takes a moment before we realize it. You know, I was called, you know, Jesus found me when I was 16 years old uh, at a camp centered around him. And that's the moment when I first decided that I wanted to study the Bible, that I wanted to to be a disciple and uh, and to really just learn what that means. And you fast forward nine years later, uh, he's blessed me with two amazing daughters and a wife and just a church community that I love. And I remember feeling back then, and anytime you're seeing Amazing Grace, that moment when you first believe, and how, in my mind, my life was just so simple. Uh, but, and uh, I believed then. And now we fast forward all this time, and the Lord has blessed me with two amazing girls. And just to be a dad uh, is probably right now the greatest thing in my life. And to those who aren't dads or who can't be dads because they're women, uh, there are greater things that are going to happen in our lives. Jesus may have called us wherever we were. And I think every day we just got to keep our eyes open to the blessings that Jesus is giving us because he's going to give us greater things uh, than when we first believed. When we first believed, that was just the tip of the iceberg. And, uh, and that is what Father's Day is for me. It's a reminder that 
that moment when I first believed was just the tip of the iceberg of all the blessings, all the just the amazing things that Jesus was going to do in my life uh, and do through me and for me. Uh, and so with that, uh, you know, I just want to pray for Jesus' sacrifice so that we can have greater things, that we can have uh, a life in heaven and just an eternity with him. So let's pray. Uh, great and awesome God, thank you so much just for uh, all the blessings you give us, Lord, all the just all the uh, moments in life and, and just the times that we can have just to reflect on you. Lord, I thank you so much just for uh, your son dying on the cross so that we can all have greater things, uh, Lord, that we can all see you and just uh, one day have that opportunity to be with you in heaven. Lord, I pray that uh, as we take this bread that we break that just represents your body, Lord, that we can just remember your sacrifice and your blood that was spilled. I pray this all in your son's name. Amen.
Nero said he's sorry that I, that we can't be a dad. That was the best thing. <laughs> yes, I could see your reaction on camera, and it was hilarious. Uh, Monique, <laughs> we we want we want to redo with you next time. 